Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 239 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. It's been a really frosty week, temperatures dropping like a stone and woodpeckers paying a little too much attention to my beehives. Listen in for my latest damage report. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Hi everyone, and rest easy. No more Christmas songs from me. Certainly not this week. One week to go though, and wouldn't you just know it, it's very Christmassy outside. Unfortunately though, it's about to turn milder and wetter, just in time for Santa's arrival. Oh well, another year goes by without a white Christmas here at the Norfolk Honey Company. Welcome back to the podcast everyone. Uh, The last one before Christmas. Where has that time gone? Each year, I have great plans for sorting my beekeeping kit out before we hit the shortest day on the 21st of December, but I never seem to get everything lined up and organised. To be fair to myself, though, there have been several distracting jobs that have had to take priority for various reasons, and another one has just recently popped up, that being these blasted woodpeckers. I'll tell you all about the woodpeckers in a moment, but first an update on the week and the whole warming cabinet and sweaty appy melter situation. The bill for the replacement parts for the appy melter was paid earlier in the week. Honestly, I didn't think I'd get my hands on the replacement heater matrix thingy until the new year, but apparently it's arriving at my home address on Tuesday next week. So guess what I'll be doing over Christmas? Firstly, though, I need to get all of the old heater element off and make sure every last bit of the glue is removed. Apparently, the heater sheet needs to be placed on the bottom of the appy melter in exactly the right place, in exactly the right way, and you only get one shot at it. I can almost feel another drama approaching, but I'm going to take my time and give it my best shot. Hopefully, by the end of next week, I'll have my new warming cabinet up and running, so the need to use the appy melter won't arise until next year when the first honey harvest is due to come in. Talking of the warming cabinet, I'm feeling pretty pleased with myself. I think a lot of these jobs, much like beekeeping actually, are all about confidence. Having the confidence to give it a go and having checked out the instructions and techniques prepared adequately, just getting stuck in and doing the best you can. As with all these things, it's all about experience. The more you do something, the better you'll get. At least that's the generally accepted rule, I think. So the warming cabinet, although not yet finished, is getting there nicely. The basic framework for my warming cabinet is a milk trolley, the kind you see in supermarkets with all the plastic milk bottles on them. To this, I've added some 100mm insulation board, fixing it in place with some heavy-duty cable ties. 
Using a handsaw seems so simple, but trying to get a nice square edge to these boards is something of a skill. As a result, I've had to trim several edges that were a little bit wonky, let's say. Now, I've been sitting on a pile of plywood offcuts that I was given by a friend who built his own house, and I never really had any idea what I was going to use it for. Well, here's a project just right for it. If I were making this warming cabinet from scratch, though, I would definitely buy a large sheet of plywood and cut it to size. I've got three separate sections to each side and two to the back, which makes it a bit tricky to fix. The wood was free, so I've saved a lot of cash, but it has caused a little bit more work for myself. The sides and back are now in place, but because I've had to fix a batten near the top to help with the fixings, I've left a bit of a gap between the ply and the insulation at the back, and, to be honest, my use of the saw left a little to be desired. So, a quick trip to the DIY fixings shop, and I returned with a can of expanding foam to assist with the thermal insulation index of my warming cabinet, you understand not to fill in the holes created by poor workmanship. Anyway, once the ply is in place, no one will ever know, apart from you guys listening in, of course. I've fixed the ply sheets using long 6mm coach bolts. Those are the ones that have the round head, but a square shoulder beneath it. These work really well, as once tightened, the square section gets pulled into the ply and holds it nice and firmly. Inside the warming cabinet, I've used 45mm washers and then the nut so that when I tighten it down the nut doesn't get pulled into the soft insulation material and that's worked really well for me. I added an insulated plywood sandwich to the floor that sits on the base of the trolley and this will be the location of the tube heaters that I'm going to use to warm the cabinet. These haven't arrived yet but I'm hoping I can get them early next week and have them fitted before Christmas. I'll explain all of the electrics next week, but remember, I'm not a qualified electrician, so you really mustn't take my methods as a professional how-to guide for fitting them. I'm pretty sure I'm safe and I know what I'm doing, but if you have any doubts about your own ability to do this kind of thing, do make sure you seek professional guidance and help. One missing piece of the cabinet that I've yet to sort is the door. I got lucky this week when our friendly neighbour builder at the unit happened to pop in and I managed to exchange a couple of jars of honey for a large offcut of a 150mm insulation board. There's just enough for me to cut it down and construct a door which I intend protecting with a cover of the same plywood that I've been using for the main body of the warming cabinet. Finally, I need to get some hinges, a door catch and some seal for the door and I think we'll be ready to fire it up. Well, maybe fire it up is the wrong choice of words. Let's say give it a try and warm the cabinet. We don't want any fires, thank you very much. I'll update you next time on the warming cabinet because I think it should be finished very soon. Looking ahead to this coming week, the new extractor is due to arrive. You'd be forgiven for thinking it's Christmas or something. This you will remember is after we returned the cap to lift, so it's already paid for thankfully and I'm excited to have it alongside the same existing extractor, giving us the ability to extract 28 frames and then another 28 frames, either consecutively or concurrently, depending on how fast I can get my nephew to uncap the frames. It's going to be a huge help and the footprint of the extractor 
is slightly smaller than the old one which we used to use. And again, it will help as we potentially try to work out how to fit ourselves into a shipping container sized honey room. In other news, I had a meeting this week with the farmer to discuss the use of the grain store as our permanent base for the growing business. It went well. Things are getting serious now as I have to make a final decision about moving and then sign on the dotted line, as they say. I do have one or two reservations still. Simple things like it's a fair old drive to the grain store and back each time I visit and that eats into the fuel and increases our costs. There are a couple of other issues, but time is slipping by and I really need to get something sorted if we're going to grow and develop as a business. On a personal note, I'm 60 next birthday and as I said, time is slipping away. I really need to get a shift on before these poor old knees and that damned back of mine gives up. I'm sure a solution will present itself, you just never know what's around the corner. While I was at the farm, I took the opportunity to drive to the apiaries and check out what was going on, make sure they were all still alive and had plenty of stores still. I'm glad to say we seem to have some frugal colonies at the moment, because while they were mostly full of bees, the hefting was pleasantly heavy. Now this cold snap has caught us all on the hop, hasn't it? Lots of mild, even warm weather, and then the sudden shiver of frosts and ice-hardened ground. With so many distractions, I missed the obvious, and we've unfortunately been attacked by some opportunist woodpeckers. Almost certainly green woodpeckers, Picus viridis if you want the Latin name, and they've made a mess of two or three of my honeypore polyhives. We've been very fortunate over the years. I think we've only had two or three hives damaged in all my time as a beekeeper. This year, we seem to have doubled that number already. Time to take action before we hit the cold weather of the deep winter in the new year. The green woodpecker is a fabulous bird, as are all of our native woodpeckers. They look spectacular in their bright colours, which you'll normally see as they fly hurriedly away because they're very shy by nature. Either that, or they know they've been attacking my hives and they want to clear out before I see the damage. So why do they attack our hives? Well, our native woodpeckers love knocking holes in things, more usually in order to nest and sometimes to feed, but that's mostly trees, so why attack a very man-made looking box? The answer lies in its food source, certainly for the green woodpecker. Ants. They love them. When I was talking to the farmer, he said that he sees a lot of green woodpeckers on the grassy areas that he has some sheep grazing on. The sheep chomp the grass down to the merest tips, and I guess that exposes the ground for the woodpeckers to search more easily for their food. The problem recently has been that the ground has been as solid as rock, and the green woodpeckers, bless them, even with their incredibly strong jackhammer beaks, can't or simply don't want to try digging around for ants that will be as deep as they can possibly be, trying to protect themselves from the frosts. So where else can an honest woodpecker get a meal in these harsh conditions? Maybe, just maybe, there's a forgetful beekeeper close by who has left his beehives unprotected. That'll be me, folks. Now, I'm absolutely not mad at the woodpeckers, just mad at myself. But the damage, while severe in a couple of cases, is fixable, and the bees are still okay. In fact, one colony that I pulled the roof off to take a look at through their clear cover board 
were so on guard that they weren't clustered at all, despite the temperature being below freezing. As soon as they felt the roof move, they broke cluster and were on high alert immediately. Now here's the really interesting part about green woodpeckers and our beehives. They will actively teach other woodpeckers, usually they're young, how to break into a beehive and grab a meal. Honestly, they do. How cool is that? From a naturalist's perspective, you understand, not from a beekeeper's view. I've actually seen it happen. Several years ago, while I was studying at the local university for my degree, I completed a project that was based on woodpeckers attacking beehives. One of the project parameters was that we had to make and record observations, so I spent the best part of a day sat out in the cold watching my beehives. I actually got extremely lucky and was rewarded by seeing an adult green woodpecker along with two juveniles make an appearance in the apiary and start to move around the hives searching out for one to feast on. The adult would fly across to a hive, sit on the roof and then encourage the two juveniles to fly over to it. Although this was meant to be a scientific study, as soon as the woodpeckers dropped down and started banging away, I leapt out of my hide and chased them off. The beekeeper force in me was stronger than the dark side on this occasion. I finished the day by wrapping everything in chicken wire, and happily they didn't work out how to get at the hives after that, and I seem to remember getting a pretty decent mark for that project too. Protecting your hives is simple enough. Once again, there are many ways to do this. I favour the chicken wire method, but others use plastic strips or insulation wraps. I've seen galvanised tin plates fitted to hives, although I wouldn't want to be lugging around several hundred metal sheets for all of my hives. The trick is to get them on the hive before the cold weather, not after. Ah well, one day I may learn. In other news, I've just ordered a pallet of short-dated fondant to have ready to feed our bees. That should also arrive next week. It really is beginning to look a lot like Christmas after all. I've always liked the Apipasta fondant, but the price has jumped quite a bit this year, and I really have got to keep a tight rein on the finances right now, with a potential location move coming up. At least I'll be prepared for emergency winter food should I need to get some on colonies quickly. It's surprising just how quickly hives can go from perfectly fine to almost starving in just a number of days. Most of them won't need the fondant, but there are always some that will. You might find you never need to feed fondant, but just sometimes it's good to have a pack or two ready just in case. And finally, I spent a chilly Friday evening last week selling honey at the local Christmas carol event here in Norwich. Now, I don't tend to do many farmers markets or events generally because I just don't have the time. And of course, when you're not prepared on a regular basis, it takes 10 times the amount of time to dig everything out of the cupboards and dust it all down again, ready to use. Well, it was all worth it. The crowds turned out in force, the mulled wine was especially good, and the sales flowed. We also had a slightly crazy lady selling dog biscuits next to us, which was very helpful in passing the time between sales. And Steph spent the evening giving me a running commentary on the different types of dog that walked past our stand. I have a feeling we may have a new member of the team next year. Cocker Spaniel, Cockapoo, Labrador, or some other mix is the likeliest, I would say, judging by the oohs and ahs as each one walked by. 
They really didn't like the frozen shingle path they were being made to walk on either, and several doggy types ended up carrying their mutts instead. And on that note, I'm off to watch the World Cup final. I'll catch up with you all again next time. And don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet. <laughs>